So, and welcome to the quarter three movie podcast of the movie Nightcrawler. My name is Christian Morosky, and I am joined here, as I am joined here every year, by Kelly Wand. Kelly Wand, do you have a tagline for the Nightcrawler movie that we saw this week? It's like Down with Love, but set on Earth. <laughs> I thought the music was going to be Dirty Laundry, so Tom tricked me. He never goes for the obvious. He's very tricky. you got to think about it. He's yeah. pro-thought. It's a problem. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, there's... I wanted to read you a sentence uh, in an email I got from my mom, too. The mom once hugged an old man's ghost at her high school reunion. She hugged an old man's goat? Is that what she just said? No, ghost. It was a ghost. Oh, okay. All right. Saw someone from my old church days at the Elks Club where there was food and drink after the tour. Went over to talk to her. She had no idea who I was, and she finally said, well, thanks for stopping by. I don't know why, but that's stuck in my head. All right. What makes, movies. You know what makes me most happy about the way you read that? What? That I captured her voice? No, is that apparently your mom is the one who, from now on, whenever you read an IMDb synopsis, I'm just going to imagine your mom reading it. My mom it. writing it? <laughs> because that is the exact same voice that you'd use for the IMDb synopsis. It's funny you say that, because she's actually a really fastidious writer, like the only person who like spells out every sentence and like... She's fastidious? Is that what you said? Yeah, as a writer. Oh, what an awesome word to use for your mom as a writer. That's exactly the way my mom writes. Really? They like write like it's real correspondence, even though it's email. Like, where would the thing lie if it were here? Like, the right shit like that. And I'm just like, uh, left, uh, duh. You know, I'm just writing shit symbols. Uh, yeah. But my mom expects me to talk like that, too, because she, was, a, yeah, she totally. was an English teacher right. for it's many a, years. Snoots. snoots. That's a thing. Yeah. And and if I if I don't if I don't say exactly the right thing, she will correct me, and that's why sometimes I do that to you guys. Uh, you know, if I don't use uh, I or me in the correct way, she will immediately jump in. Immediately. That's and what I she, get. So my attitude varies depending on whether it's whether because the farther and further one always bitches me. When that, that's a tough one for me. Uh, I finally solved that one because. Because I don't know, I, I think I read or saw something that explained it. It's like far, farther. Like when Tom explains yeah. Metacritic, it's like that. Oh, everything clinks into place. The the problem for me is always affect and effect. Which, that one's uh, just a misuse. Like people like affect too much. It's an affectation. <laughs> it's actually an effect, ironically. Uh, how about that? Everything means something. But the one that used to, the one that I think confuses people more than it should is lie lay, because that one's actually kind of easy. But it, it somehow you always see it fucked up. It's weird. Uh, I do. I, I've, I have had problems with that, but uh, but like one of my teachers said, you know, a chicken lays an egg. You're not going to lay something. And like different than and different from, like different than has become acceptable now, so it's no longer a mistake, I guess. It's well, like a lot of these things have changed, like non-flow. That's all arbitrary. Yeah. But it's like but moms I, moms give a shit and we don't, so it's like each each generation cares less. Uh, I do love that as a as a Mother's Day card, though. Moms give a shit. <laughs> the, and the point of the story is that nothing happened. It's like went to a line, 
talked to someone, they didn't care, they didn't know me, eventually it ended. And then I got laid. Because, well, you know, lay in Right. She's into that. She gave me a cool book. Okay, what? Uh, what I was going to ask that is IMDb. that since I asked you about the IMDb office, if you have one. Because I had such a great time with Solar Babies uh, a couple of weeks ago or you last guessed week. It. Or you didn't guess it, one of those. I friends. did guess it because of the. the uh, Has the, the word Solar Babies in it? <laughs> no, I got it before. Like that <laughs> no, I got it. No, thing. I got well, it before you went to the one with solar babies. I did it on because there was like a choose your own adventure kind of branching, and you did the first one that was like the the desert earth, but then you read the second one, with solar babies. But I had already re- I had already guessed solar not babies. Many desert earth movies with kids in it. It's Mad Max or solar babies. <laughs> Come on, I know. It's I'm not always so- about getting people. Sometimes it's community. The idea Sometimes it's Parks and Rec. All right. So, do you have a do you have a uh, IMDb opsis for this week? Please? It's fun to stump people, but then you're kind. Of, it's also a lonely feeling because everyone's going, oh, "Great, you stump me!" And you're like up at the top at the ridge, going, "Hi, <laughs> Tom Chick. I'm the best at Halo Four." <laughs> Here it goes the IMDb. Now you can interrupt if you think you know what it is, and that goes for the listeners only, not things. Right. Sixth in the series. And the fifth feature, <laughs> I know, that narrows it down. And the fifth to feature the character of Michael Myers. I think I'm obsessed with sequels. It has been six years since both Michael and Jamie disappeared from Haddonfield's police station. Now, in 1995, the kids of Haddonfield want to have parties on Halloween night again after their parents have banned it since the incidents of 1988, parentheses, age four, and 1989, parentheses, age five. Stupid parents. Meanwhile, no parentheses in parentheses. Jamie has been raped by a cult but manages to escape with her newborn baby, but Michael in hot pursuit, period. The Strode family has moved into the Myers house. Wait, this is my favorite part. This is why I, I, I voiced it on this line. I know it's really boring, but listen. The Strode family has moved into the Myers house in an attempt to break the curse and to finally sell the house. <laughs> <laughs> that made me want to watch the entire movie and go, wait, what? They want to sell the house. <laughs> That's not really yeah. happening. It's a real estate thriller. Yeah. Uh, well, I, that part I get. I, that takes a thing about breaking a curse and, and shelve it to second. To, out of the way, there's something more interesting going on in this plotline. Fuck your curse. Do they sell the house? <laughs> what are the values in Haddonfield? The daughter Kara Strode. Kara Strode. Daughter Kara Strode. One more time. Kara Strode, not Kara Thrace, has problems with her son, Danny Strode, so original, who's haunted by the man in black, parentheses, from H5. So, if you have any questions. Help is at hand, though, from not only Dr. Loomis, but also from an unexpected source, Tommy Doyle, one of the two child survivors from H1. Tommy has grown up and has researched into Michael's madness, and he might have the answer. That's it. <laughs> he might have the answer at yeah. the end of the synopsis. Yeah, that's how it ends. It ends with you not knowing if he has the answer. Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to guess Cabin in the Woods. 
No, cabin six. Oh, gosh darn it. IMDb. So no what is the, it, what is it, it's, Hall- is it, it's Halloween six. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think it's called the Return of Michael Myers. Even though it's the, the fifth time he shows up again. Uh, I will. I will that so relevant. I have not yeah. seen a single Halloween movie, including the first one. I've, I've, I maybe I stumbled across it like at a party in high school or something, but no, I I, I was afraid scary. of those movies then. Uh, somebody dragged me to Nightmare on Elm Street. I think that's scary uh, too. A bunch of I, I think a bunch of kids went to see them. I was just too squeamish about that kind of thing at that time, and now it just seems too silly to even think of revisiting. I mean, it seems like something that you would do as a teenager, like a like at a slumber party or something. Yeah. How- Michael Myers always seemed scary to me, and Jason never seemed scary. And I don't know if it was just because of the quality of the movies or because Michael Myers seemed to genuinely – he just walks around streets and comes up in your house and kills you. While as Jason's just pissed off at, like, campers. But, like, just stay away from the lake and or out of out of outer space. <laughs> just don't go to a lake in your – Yeah, don't go to a lake. Stay landbound. It seems everything about the lake. But Michael Myers oh. is just like – he's just going to kill you for whatever reason he's got. For whatever reason. He probably read the IMDb shit and went, if I kill someone, they can make some justification out of it somehow, probably. Circus. And then he, and then he became a realtor and he helped the Strode right. family. I can't believe that's your name. The Strodes. Strode family. They weren't originally brother and sister. That was a retcon in the second one. Oh. Right. And the first two movies, kind of cheating it, but like Halloween 2 all takes place in one day. And part of that day is like the last half of Halloween 1. So well, it's like really annoying. You should love it because you love movies that take place in one day. Yeah, and that's one reason I do love it. Is it's like, you're just thinking, poor Jamie Lee Curtis is having such an irritating deal. Is this day ever going to be over? How many times do I have to fucking run down a hallway? <laughs> After all that, make up your mind. Get me oh, down. Which, which of the franchises is the one that has the, the sound? The the Season of the Witch Silver Shamrock mask music? Good. I don't know. I just so remember scene, learning that for the really piano. I was thinking, wouldn't it be cool if that's the first year entry to the Halloween series? This is part three. And like you going, wait, okay, so in the first two, uh, they had Stonehenge, I assume, based on. <laughs> no, we're not going to do fucking Stonehenge. <laughs> that was like the same year. We were so b- spoiled with movies then. And now look what we got to do. Are you kidding? This year has been awesome. Uh, yeah. I don't, oh, like, dude, I'm so excited about this year. I'm so excited. And I, I, okay, let me uh, let's before I before I go nutso. Uh, let me just uh, tell everybody what we saw this week. Okay. Yeah, we could just go on forever about summer. Yeah, we'll we could. To the, all right. What we all right, to? So let me just talk about it. And we're not in spoiler territory yet. I'm just going to tell everybody what we saw this week. Sorry. So uh, so uh, this week we saw Nightcrawler. A uh, <laughs> did you laugh about that? I thought it was the movie where the guy becomes a spy. I thought this was a spy movie about a teenager, like one of those Jake Lucas dudes. Are you kidding? I swear, just because I was, I trying to pay attention. Like spoiler, like if it if it keeps thrusting itself into my face, uh, like Interstellar, like all right, you want me to see what you did or Interstellar? Great, but Nightcrawler wasn't really. I got mixed up with the movie. I thought they wanted me to see about a kid who becomes a spy. So go on. Oh. Okay, I had no idea what I was watching either, but that's because I, I don't pay attention to anything leading up. I do, and I forget it instantly because I'm an idiot. No, it's not idiotic. That's great. We all have routes to victory. Well, yeah. 
I bumble my way there, police academy style. It's just—it's awesome that I have to stick my fingers in my ears during trailers, and you can just rely on object permanence. Yeah. Or just so, or also because I have to see so many of the other of the lame ones like every week for weeks on end. Uh, other woman, other woman, other woman. Well, by the time I get to the movie, I'm already I feel like <laughs> seen everything and I'm mad at it. I'm like, fucking, that was yeah, that's the joke you wanted me to see. You got it. Thank you. You took the one part out I liked. Great. Well, sadly, I liked the other woman, you creep. All right. So anyway, this week we saw the Nightcrawler, not the Nightcrawler. Just you didn't sit through all the trailers for it. No, I did not. I was. I got Clockwork Orange'd it. That's why I don't what? like. What do you mean? They, they pulled my eyelids up and made me watch it over and over. The previews over and over. Oh, turned it cool. That's cold. That's straight up cold. But Nightcrawler. Right. Oh, what? <laughs> so anyway, this week we saw Nightcrawler, a 2014 American crime drama thriller movie about whether Coldwater Canyon is faster than Laurel, and <laughs> Never. when it's wise to avoid the five. Always. Um, it was written and directed by Dan Gilroy, oh. and it stars Jake Gyllenhaal, <laughs> Rene Russo, uh, yeah, Bill sure. Paxton. Uh, I do. Reza, Reza Meg. Uh, he was the uh, the dumbass. Reza Med was yeah. He was Richard. Rick. He was good. Uh, Kent Shockneck. <laughs> I thought that guy. I think when I heard that guy's name, I went, "That's a little nail on the head." Calling your news anchor Kent Shocknick, like, "All right, I get it." And then that turns out to be, you know, how nail on the head it is. That's the real they dude hired it because of his name. The real dude doing the real role, and I didn't realize that when I was watching it. I didn't either. Uh, I was just going, "That guy's really good. He's one of the best, most convincing. He was acting just like an anchor man." And, absolutely. And Sharon Tay, yep. who was also acting the same way, yep. and also finally starring. Los Angeles. You know. Remember uh, when I said This is the End made me, I liked it too much because I would move back to L.A. and it was the movie that cheered me up. This is the movie that kind of made me go, got me depressed again about being in L.A. Oh, man. The opposite thing happened to me. All right, you so captured Night- it perfectly. Oh, I live here. <laughs> Nightcrawler is rated R for violence, including graphic images, and for language. That's what the movie's about. You should get a different rating. If you're covering that as a rate, it's about the rating system, isn't it? Uh, it definitely is, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of. Down. Uh, so, anyway, the, the, I just got the numbers from the quarter of three numbers laboratory. Um, they, just gave, they just ran here and slapped them down. Yep. They were going to send them to me by teletype, but they just ran in with the post it. So, Nightcrawler. On Rotten Tomatoes, Nightcrawler is, and, and uh, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is a percentage of the reviews that are positive. Nightcrawler is at 94%. Mm. Out of the uh, park. And Metacritic, which is the average rating from various reviews, Metacritic rates um, Nightcrawler at a 76. In the park, but, but in the infield. So a Nightcrawler yeah. uh, basically um, won the weekend, but it was it was uh, neck and neck with Ouija. 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 Uh, I kind of want to see that. Listeners, has anyone seen Ouija, and should I see it? I do not. I, I think it's, so it's not for Dinkus. You won't so have to see it. Um, it looks so bone. What do you know about it? What do you know about it besides the – because I actually don't know anything except the obvious, which is something dumb happens. 
what I know about it is that uh, it, 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 it's, it's the, the main thing I know is that it's a movie that when the trailer runs, I'm not afraid to watch the trailer. Yeah. It just looks it looks it looks stupid. It looks I'm gonna it looks like it's a movie where a character's gonna look in the mirror and see something see scary board, behind him. Bored in the reflection. Um, yeah. On it. Yeah. Wait, I think I want to come over and do a Ouija night with you and Tom. Get out! Get get your ass over here. Let's On do it. Halloween. When's next Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> when's next Halloween? Let's consult our calendars to find out when they're scheduling the next Halloween. When the months and days of the year have sixes in them too. So uh, Nightcrawler barely edged out Ouija. Uh, they both made ten million nine hundred thousand dollars, but kind of got mixed up. According to some estimates, Nightcrawler made nine thousand more dollars than Ouija. Wow! So, uh, so Night Nightcrawler barely edged out, and Fury was again number three. Important victory. Yeah. So anyway, Nightcrawler um, uh, barely, well, barely may uh, barely beat the weekend. I that's the worm. That's how the Nightcrawler wins in nature. So like it gets on the hook, and you you think it's dead, but when you put it in the water, it just crawls off, it's mm. off, and then the, the fish eats the hook, and we go see Nightcrawlers. Speaking of crawling off, Kelly Wand, is there something that you would have for us where you would tell us about the goings-on in a spoiler way, warning everybody that spoilers are coming, about the events that happened in Nightcrawler? Yeah, you mean just a bunch of shit I wrote, baked? (laughs) What I meant to ask for was, Kelly Wand, please give me just a bunch of shit you wrote. I don't know what you would call it, but shit you wrote is awesome because your shit is gold. I've heard that, but I don't believe it. Nope. Take it I, into a dispensary. What would Tom guess I would call it? But you don't like to guess for Tom. Uh, I'm not as good at guessing as he is. Um, so uh, I, I would guess... Uh, Add syllable. That's how you get to the Tom equation. Oh, the Tom equation is adding a syllable? Add a syllable, yep. That's his baseline. By the way, I love the word. I love the title, "The Tom Equation" by Tom. Robert. <laughs> Tom came up with that equation. It's it just makes... an equal sign. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then, if if I were going to go by that method, I would say the Nightcrawlopsis. Um, but... And there's a zero through it. By the way, it's a zero with an equal sign. All right. It's also the symbol for Interstellar. Spoiler alert. Nightcrawler. <laughs> hey, hey. Spoiler. What? Don't do that. That's like calling Albert Einstein's for their relativity a spoiler. I've been so careful. Relativities. All right, what are you going to call this thing? I got nothing good. That's really what I'm trying to hide. Or night crawl space. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Does it? Uh, well, that's the thing. Uh, when, you know, when you move from back east to California, you find out nobody has basements. There's only crawl spaces. So that's fine. But if you move from the north, you you did know it. Well, I was always used to having a basement back. You know, I was like, where's yeah, the basement? Like, in the basement you guys have a crawl space. I'm, well, I'm not going down there. There's black widows in there. So the nice, cr- the night crawl space opsis is fine. Yeah, you're protected there. Well, as if you have an attic, that's what can fall on me. That's what I always saw the attic as. It's just always falling, I think. Like Skylab. Yeah. <laughs> Out of the earth, this. Night crawl space. Jake Gyllenhaal's busy clipping it. A chain around a fencing factory when some rent a cop parks up near him. It sirens all whoop whoop. A dude in a gray uniform gets out and shines a flashlight in his face. Chillin'. No. 
Yes, and may I say I find your technique of shining a flashlight in my face and giving a warning for it to be entirely professional, to protect and to serve at wages such as yours, especially at the same time as a noble endeavor and stretches as far back as the first dumbwaiter. Perhaps there are some openings in law enforcement that some of my ability to disarm the buffoonish and frame murders would be interested in. How much do I have to do with that? Oh, please keep doing that, because your voice is perfect. Uh, oh, Kelly, keep going, please, I beg you. Shut up, Dingus and Jake Gyllenhaal. Get out of here before I write you up on a 10-4. Get out of here, of course. What a marvelous expression that is. Did you come up with that yourself? Nietzsche chastens that many of our most creative terms have been originated by left-brain law enforcement officials. Let's see if his follow-up hypothesis is also viable. Try going like this with your tongue while I... Let's see, you're clenching. Let's start over from get out of here again. Shut up, weirdo. What the hell are you doing? Stealing chain links with wire cutters? Jesus, you get way more for the wire cutters. Now either quit the goofy smile and eye bug and do some real acting and show me some ID that you're allowed to sneak around by night and steal fencing. That's a WC4A, actually. Here's one in my back pocket I've been using to doodle dicks on. Yeah, you can have them all for the wire cutters. Listen, Mr. Uh, Badge, as I believe I may infer your Christian name from that shiny object on your lapel, fence-stealing is merely part of the mini-hats. Fuck! I'm genius. Sorry. No, it wasn't you. It's hard to Gyllenhaal. Fence-stealing is merely one of the mini-hats I wear, since I also enjoy part-time employment as a mannequin at Macy's. I also do a lot of shoplifting from local haberdasheries. Say that watch you're wearing looks far too expensive for your character's pay grade. Jesus Christ, Reddy, I can't take another minute of this acting. Here, just take the watch and shut up. Later in an office with paper in it. Look, Gyllenhaal. <laughs> it's kind of the same guy. Look, Gyllenhaal, the most I can give you from these garbage bags. It's either the same guy or I only have three voices to do. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess if Kevin Costner isn't going to show up, that's going to be the thing. I know. There was all that, co- it was like evergreen Costner period. Now nothing. Fucking drought. Look, Gyllenhaal, the most I can give you for all these garbage bags full of wire cutters is 12 cents on the blade. And that's because it's Christmas. I was hoping for an offer more in keeping with the demands of the current industrial marketplace, if you would, something that would possibly lead us into deepening our business relationship in a mutually fortifying manner in the same way that over 68% of airline pilots use pheromones instead of their instruments to land by. Uh, well, that's a good point, Gyllenhaal. Look, some of these doorknobs you brought me are okay roundness-wise, but they got all this blood and hair all over them. Getting the past the metal detector to your guard station here was no easy task, I can assure you. Perhaps you could direct me to your blood and hair departments, preferably soon as I'm still carrying a few more inside me along with the grandfather clock pendulum I've been having trouble loading. Huh? We ain't got a metal detector. Hang on, let me see what else you got here. A chunk of spider web, half a dice, a wild stock keychain, junior-sized condom full of seaweed, a used adult diaper, Jesus. I consider those last two personal heirlooms and expect commensurate compensation servants too much trouble. The seaweed is someone else's. Some nail clippings, a match set of glass eyes. She has a Facebook, pinata full of orange peels. My security guard's watch with his hand still attached. Look, kid, the ice that goes nine cents. That's only because my oranges out there look cold. I see. This is still below market value from what I understood by Googling the word still. I'd like to work for you, however, as I already do. Does my speaking style require more intensity? Please. Honesty is the foundation of commerce. Well, you sound weird in all your movies. It's just we have this policy where I can't pay for stuff you stole from us while we was watching. See the security camera you stole in the inbox here? This is the absolute highest price I'd go is, uh, nothing. Well, sir, is my true wish to negotiate with someone who shares my appreciation for the art of the negotiate true? I want $100,000 for the gum on the doorknobs, plus the gum. 
No. 50,000? How long, how long we got to keep talking for? 3,800, and I throw in your desk lamp here. Hmm. Four cents. Take it or leave it. Oh, it is a nice lamp. Make it eight cents. Six cents. Get it. Just said I'd pay you eight. You were tired. You wish to play hardball. I respect that. Here's $20. I'll come by in a few <laughs> weeks. We'll discuss next steps. Since I'm leaving, however, I'll be needing to borrow the store for a moment to open the store and let myself out of the room. Mm, that's a pencil. See, kid, that's what I'm trying to tell you. You don't know what shit is. On his way home, Jake Gyllenhaal sees something so astonishing, so far beyond anything he's ever seen in Los Angeles, it changes his whole ideas. He sees a car accident. <laughs> it changes his whole ideas. Look, I don't know how to write. I'm just a man. He parks sideways in the middle of the freeway, runs over to the ambulance's shattered glass, and shoves his way through the paramedics and snarling paparazzi. Kneeling by the victim, he turns the camera on her and goes, I came over here as soon as I saw some broken glass. Is there anything I can do? The old woman's all, Knee! It's, it's, it's crushing my pancreas! Bill Paxton's all, And could you get it, Acers? That pancreas line? Ha! Bill Paxton slaps Jake Gyllenhaal on the sack and goes, Looks like your pancreas is going to be all over the 6 o'clock evening news, kid. Jake Gyllenhaal's all, Really? How much is it worth? I always suspected a couple dollars. You? Worth? Huh. I was the one telling this loser to film that loser, saying it to you. A paramedic saw. Hey, all your cameras uh, fritzed out all our shock paddles, asshole. Bill Paxton's all. <laughs> paddles. He gets in a van with his <laughs> video game buttons. Jake's all. Wow, the money I could spend wondering what all these buttons do. Are you hiring competition? A radio's all. Fart off at Florence and Normandy, car 69, requesting less backup. Paxton's all copy that 69 we'll tell the cops by see him Acers let's roll they speed off siren wailing and just be his mouth I guess anyway Jake stares with awe at the words inscribed on the van's side Bill Paxton news service if you see us coming you'll probably be on the news tonight that's in quote marks dingus under the uh, other stuff Hall drives to an apartment with a laptop on it that night on the TV news, a chick saw. I'm Rene Russo, and this is the 3 a.m. TV news. Tonight, this happened. We should warn you. You may not want to watch, but it's pretty awesome. Look. An old woman chokes. Pancreas! Everything except... <laughs> they edit it, dang, dang, I guess. Tell yeah, because she doesn't have a kidney. Yeah. It's, it's, all, it's too early at night. Everything except Gyllenhaal's face is blurred out, as is the rest of the newscast. The anchor woman's all. Our prayers go out to all the cameramen's families who were touched by this incident and all the vehicles involved. Dingus? Thanks, Renee. <laughs> it's a different dingus. As you can uh, yes. see from this CG map here, uh, ratings for this incident are way up. <laughs> also, it might rain eventually. Jake Gyllenhaal's eyes are all cha-ching. I turn to the handheld camera sitting in the seat beside me and whisper, If you ask me, I think culture-wise we're neck and neck with the Brontosaurus. Get it? Neck. Shock neck. Hall steals a bike so he can place an ad in the paper that says, Meet me at Denny's, serious candidates only. (laughs) (laughs) In smaller print, it says, Declared Saviors of the City. One guy shows up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One guy shows up. He's devoid of ethnicity. 
Jigsaw. <laughs> so what qualifies you to work for the number one news organization in the world? Do you have any journalistic background? That's a huge minus, by the way. He's all, yeah, I've been busy lately working as a drifter, but uh, I wasn't liking the hours, so I quit. Uh, you know, I blow the guys uh, there under the overpass for pennies, and sometimes during Christmas season, uh, Ford uses me as a crash test dummy to make their uh, carnival animals laugh. I don't even know what that means, but it's hilarious. It just keeps going. There's an image there somewhere. It's animals <laughs> laughing at him as he crash test dummies through a windshield. I think Dingus, that's what I was going for. Well, you landed. It's somewhere around there. Uh, to make ends meet, I also do a movie podcast uh, on the internet there. Oh, what about Wildstar? Ever work on that? What, what do I look like, asshole? That... Oh. That noise means you have the job. I'll pay you ten bucks a night to film me with a video camera mumble stuff from a Thomas guide. Do you know the L.A. area well? Yeah, as long as it's right beside that overpass. I know it like the back of my hand. Uh, this hook here used to be my hand. That's good, Gary. That's real good. Ten bucks a night. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's on the movie. Ten bucks a night, Gary, till we see if you work out. Interested? Holy shit, that's ten times what Carbine paid me. Wait, uh, you just want me to film you. Nothing weird. Well, me and dead people. Okay. Welcome aboard the media conglomerate, Gary. From now on, your rank is assistant to the Pandejo. And your codename is Eagle One. Got all that? Oh, yeah, you and a video camera, right? We need one of those. That night, they hang out beneath the Hollywood sign. <laughs> With an H. At the beginning. Gyllenhaal's in the car while Gary stands with a radar dish on the hood and revolving slowly till he's mummified an RX cable. Gyllenhaal honks irritably. Got anything yet? Yeah, I just picked up a car horn honking at me. I can't tell the direction, though. Maybe we should just join the cops. I think we'd fit right in. The radio's all. Attention all units. Car accident reported at the top of Laurel Canyon. Now the bottom of Laurel Canyon. Over. Gyllenhaal's all. That's us. Get in and start filming the odometer, Gary. Undercrank it. Because he forgot to screen his new hire for literacy, they make a detour to Hong Kong. By the time they get there... <laughs> Stupid Gary. Body's already being led away under sheets. By sheets would have made sense. Dingus. Stop confusing everyone. Paxton's all, Way too late, rookies. I even got the mom begging me to show some dignity. <laughs> Everybody laughs and points at Jake Gyllenhaal. The mom, the other cameraman, Paxton, the paramedics. Even Gary. Get on the hall, Saul. You'll all be singing a different tune when I figure out plan B. That shuts them up for a couple seconds. Next day, Jake throws himself at Renee Russo, the 69-year-old lady who runs LA's 13th highest rate 3 a.m. news footage website. She's all 13th, huh? He's all, speaking of which, check this out. Eagle One, hit play. His buddy turns on the camcorder. Renee waits, looks into the lens, and goes, Uh, you're recording. God damn it, Gary. Guys, all hang on. I got it. Jake's all sorry, Renee. He's from here. She nods sympathetically. Eventually, some footage comes on of Jake entering a house with a broken window that he breaks and says stuff like, as he trip, walks around tripping over shit. Okay, as you can see, there are shotguns on the stairs. Only one of them planted by us. We blurred out the trigger guard just in case families are watching. 
Now I'm going upstairs to see if I can render any assistance to other cameramen. Oops, okay. Uh, I just stuck my foot into a stomach wound. Uh, from the sounds he's making, I believe he's not dead. No, he's definitely not dead. He's trying to tell us something, the name of the killer, perhaps. I'm leaning in now. I learned how to film myself doing stuff at the same time from a motion picture called John Wick. Okay, the man is now asking me to get my feet out of his pancreas. Renee, you may want to edit some of this language out. Okay, I'm now standing on the victim's testicles in an effort to regain my balance. Pull my other foot out of his wound. Fuck. Okay, the camera's now fallen into the other victim's asshole wound. Gary, are you getting this? There appears to be uh. some sort of lens cap in the man's large intestine. Perhaps the actual murder weapon, it bears a striking similarity to the one on our own camera. With <laughs> he hits pause, smiles at Rene Russo, and goes, I have 46 hours of this. She's all, we're leading with it. Murder wave or microwave? I left out a part where he gets his other foot stuck in a microwave. Dingus. Yeah, it happens. And then the font turns into actual skulls. Peterson, get me some skulls over from promotions. Gyllenhaal and Russo go on to become the most successful appliance operator and content provider in the history of televised mishaps. The next night, Eagle wins all. Hey, boss, what about that raise you keep promising me? Jake's all, money's no object, Gary, but we're on the clock right now. I'll pay you, but first I need you to just film those two gunmen in the diner there getting shot by the cops I just called in. Now, go up onto the lamppost there. Whatever you do, don't do anything to get their attention. These guys aren't like us, Gary. They're trained professionals. I'll handle the rest. Come on, here come the cops. Police cars surround the diner and cops tiptoe out and crouch around the table with their walkie-talkies making gestures. Walkie-talkies. <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal's all, everybody shoot Gary off to my left, he wanted a raise. The cops and pedestrians all shoot each other while the killers drive off, pursued by Jake Gyllenhaal and some SWAT teams, the paparazzi and people who work at the diner. Everybody crashes. Jake approaches the killer's car, whispers to the guy, then sets up a tripod on the broken windshield and goes, okay, Gary, go in for a close-up here. Don't worry, he's totally dead. The second Gary leans in, the guy shoots him. He looks at Gyllenhaal for a second. He looks at Jill and Fall for a sec. Yeah, that's Jill right. Fall. Jill and Fall. Come on. Doesn't make any other sense. That ain't other way. <laughs> Sounds like some sort of a laxative. The guy shoots Jill and Fall. Wait, the guy looks at Jill and, Hall, Jill and Fall for a second. Then an explosion shoots him. <sighs> See, Angus? Once you get there, it's totally worth it. <laughs> the cops. <laughs> There's your buddy shot. There's your tagline. So I'm going to get the sense right. <laughs> Once you get there, it's totally worth it. Yep. I may have fumbled that sentence. 60. <laughs> when you hear it all, you go, all right, Juan, you got me. Thanks for making me wait. He looks at Jill and Fall for a second, then an explosion shoots him. Boom. It's all there. Everything you need. The cops come and arrest the diner, leaving Jake alone with Gary in the middle of the street. Eagle One lies in a pool of his own blood. He's all, do I have medical? Jake's all, oh, Gary, if only there were more like you. He looks up at a bunch of teenagers holding camcorders, filming him looking bored. Hey, college kids, how would you like to literally make history? They're all, a major solipsism. A newspaper headline's all, six months later, we see Jake Gyllenhaal and Renee getting married in the middle of the street by the still-burning police cars. Jake gives the goods at the kids at knowing nod, and they all get in vans saying, Jill and Fall News and Van Services, and drive off in random directions. I turn to the camera sitting beside me and go, Get that thing out of my face. 
It was a camera dingus. The yeah. end. Ugh. Tar- uh, let me ask you this. Did you, did you uh, see the trailer before watching this movie? No. I told you I mixed it up with another movie that I'm not convinced exists. It might have been in my head. But this one wasn't. Right? It was, this was a real movie we both watched. This movie, we both, we both experienced this movie in separate locations. Uh, but you did not see a trailer before this movie. Did, no. you, did you even have any idea what it was about? Uh, no. Until about halfway, a third of the way, a quarter of the way in. That was, I think, my problem with it. Like, I was liking it as a movie, but I also thought, I know exactly what's going to happen, and then it kind of happened. Like, oh, oh, so so did you uh, did you not like it then? I don't or, know. Is a reason to not like something? If you predict how something's going to go, do you feel gypped by it? Or you go, well, I knew it was going to happen, but I liked watching it happen anyway, because it happened effectively. Like, I liked his acting, and I liked how the scenes were laid out. I liked individual images. I thought there was nothing bad in it. I just kind of thought, you know, you're preaching to the choir, kind of. Like, I'm not learning anything. Oh, wow. What a, uh, so, what do you mean by preaching to the choir? Well, just L.A., anything for a buck. Anything you can, like, people want to see pictures of bodies, I think. Like, those are, like, something people seek after more. Like, that's why all those... that. I'm assuming that the numbers that they talk about in the movie are based on something like whoever had the most car crashes got the highest ratings in the news cycle. Oh, I see what you're saying. Isn't that a rule of thumb? Which to me is always like the last thing I want to look at. So it's it's weird to me. Like I think I'm off the hook on this one. I don't think I'm one of the people. I'd say go. I got I got to move out of Granada Hills. That'd be my only take. <laughs> what do you mean you're off the hook? What does that mean? Well, because I don't think it's a guilty pleasure of mine to want to see the footage that the guy in the studio who's always arguing with, like, what? Wait, now we're we're re, we're chance we're like remaking, we're lying about stuff we actually know happened to make it sound more. more when in fact, it's about the same, non exciting anyway. Like you're there just to see. I think is the theory. That's why if you just read what happened, no one would read it. If you go, well, there's people found dead in Granada Hills mansion. You wouldn't be as excited as if you went, "Oh, look, some a dumbass with a camera broke in and shot well, a pixel." I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine. You know, um, what I'm interested about you saying off the hook is, um, uh, well, you know, I'll just come out and say I, I I love this movie, but not for the reasons of what the uh, content is. Um, what do you mean? Wait, when did I say off the hook? I forget. You said uh, you, you were off the hook for this movie, which I thought was... I don't say was that. A, I did think it? you did, didn't you? Off the hook for it? Yeah. This movie is off the hook. No, well, maybe I uh, misheard what you were saying. Maybe I missaid it's off the nook. <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Because that's how I feel about it. If that's um, helpful at all. Because the things I like about this movie are... are uh, I, I, I think it's I think it's a, I think it's great. I, I really really love it. But um, but from my point of view, and you're sort of talking about things that are kind of close to what I feel about this, is uh, I cannot tell you the last time, or I, I can't I, I can't of everybody I know in the world, <laughs> uh, other than my parents, I can't tell you anybody who would watch local news. Yeah. Um, 
I, I know. don't know anybody who watches TV news. I don't know what anybody who, I mean, uh, again, other than watching CNN or Fox News or MSNBC or any of those types of things. I don't know anybody who is in this world. So it's, so it should either be a period piece or yeah. I, it's so weird. I, I mean, I, if if there were a carjacking or if there were if there were a home invasion in Granada Hills, which you know I have friends who live in the in Granada Hills, I know this whole area that they're going through. I understand all of this area, um, but for the life of me, I I cannot imagine uh, like who in my life watches TV <laughs> to yeah. watch local news. I mean what. And I think part of the brilliance of this movie is that it makes me care about all of these things and be so interested in this as a thriller uh, about a, about something that basically was over, you know, in the area in the era of broadcast news. I don't. I mean, that's what's so weird about it. And, w- and when you said that that stuff about Granada Hills and whatnot, there's just nothing here as far as subject matter. Providing things for a newscast that makes any sense um, yeah. right now. Yeah, it's the internet. Yeah, everybody sees it. And then the guy who found the footage. Do you remember it. the last time you watched local news? No, never. It's the worst thing. I couldn't even. Why would you ever? It's it's fifty percent parades, and then it's just shit. Like well, you're not going to get anything insightful, and you're not going to get anything you wouldn't get anywhere, like on the internet faster. Like they're using it's an antiquated format. Absolutely that was stupid. Absolutely, yeah. And but it's like our parents though watched it religiously, like oh, find out what's going on in the news. And that, yeah. that as a kid, I was like, well, really? Wait, what? I watched it with you, and I couldn't follow anything. Our, our parents watched it religiously, and but now my parents watch it was Fox. Duty. I yeah, mean, it, exactly. Which gives you an idea how stupid we were trying to get interested. Like we weren't missing anything. It was like, oh, when I get old enough, the news will be exciting. It'll be an essential but, part of my evening. But for for me, this movie, uh, what's brilliant about it is that I I decided that it it creates this um, separate reality where that matters. It uh, and it doesn't apologize for it in any way. It doesn't it doesn't give any idea that there's there's the internet where you can get all the news. It just lets you have this separate reality where there's a bunch of people who get all of their news and actually will pay money to pay attention to car crashes and home invasions in Granada Hills in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I love that the movie it's it, it instead of doing instead of doing this thing where the movie could have made a period piece, it makes this sort of alternate reality piece where the where internet news, which is where I get all of my news um, or cable news, which is where everybody else I know gets their news, um, doesn't exist. It's that local news is of such importance. It creates this alternate reality. And maybe this reality exists, Kelly. I don't know. Maybe there's a bunch of people who are constantly turning on their TV and flipping through the channels in the morning to find out what car wrecks happened on Laurel Canyon. But I love that this movie actually creates that and does so effectively because I think this I think this movie is incredibly uh, thrilling in that way and creating this little world, uh, but a world within our world, but that doesn't, I don't think, really exist anymore, or I can't imagine that it does. No, I just assume either the conglomerates own those stations, and so we're just meant to believe, like, it's also playing on their real 
on MSNBC too, but like this is like the version of it. Or he's only in the the bottom tier of it, and like because she's older, that represents its importance maybe in the in the news cycle. Like, oh, it's the the once hot lady running the late night the graveyard shift at the news station. Like that's his only in or something. And there's all these like that's like he's going to climb to the next level, like up to the cable ranks, which I thought was going to happen in the movie. I love that you said that that the version of it. I love that you just said that. Like her that, age represents like it's an old form that she was once the mistress of, and now it's like she it's all she's got. Well, not just Maybe. that. That that thing you just said about MSNBC, like this is so uh, sort of saying, yeah, yeah. This is like uh, the microcosm of what's going on in our country at large. That, it even whitewashes it because the real oh, news that's, that's really actually really cool. What you just said is like, really cool. Go it's ahead. like celebrities doing boring shit, like going out or, or breaking up, or a, a, like one's a child molester, one one's shows can't like if or one took pills, one's dead. Like who cares? Like it means <laughs> nothing. And it's like that's more than the news of the news cycle than the shit in this movie. They're they're making us try to evaluate. Like it's all that celebrity crap that means nothing. Like Jennifer but, smoking weed on a hotel terrace. Like, <laughs> right. wait, why is it being reported to me as a news item? Like, oh, hey, now I really have I'm more informed. Thanks. It kind of just blew my mind a little bit because all of a sudden I don't know why this is, but you made me think of Pat Tillman and the way the Pat Tillman or any of these sort of like hero stories are are thrust forward. It's that here's the story. This is what happened. Yeah. There's this hero, and then later on we How find oh. Sto- it's friendly fire, but it's later on, and it's the, it's just like, this is what's going to sell. We're going to sell it to you. And and he says this during the movie. He's like, yeah, well, you know, that the, 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 it doesn't really matter how this plays out. I, he doesn't say it, but as they talk about the, the home invasion, I guess Rene Russo actually says it. When they get into the home, when they get into the fact that the home invasion wasn't, um, or wasn't just urban creep, it wasn't like a bunch of people, the crime from the inner bust. city coming in. It was that it was a drug bust, right, or a, a drug thing. Which She's was, like, well, that doesn't fit my narrative, and that was like how we dealt with Pat Tillman or any of those other like uh, like here's a hero. It right. turns out they're not a hero after all, but that doesn't matter. We're just going to sell you this, we're going to package it, and throw it at you, and that's that. Which I always recognize when they do it. So it's weird to me that it sells even for half a second. I think there's just still that gland of like, come on, man, we did this. America can still be. We've all got to put in. We need the hero. And they actually don't care what the truth is. Like, it's impolite to mention that. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, for me, I mean, I read. We're being dicks. I, I, don't, I don't watch my news anymore because I, no, yeah. I don't have TV anymore. I mean, I'm not trying to be pretentious or anything. It's just I don't. Um, I have tons of TV, and I'm just, it's so much that you don't, that you don't need. <laughs> I think I was even praising it a few weeks ago on the podcast. Like, yeah, I'm seeing a lot of movies I wouldn't have thought of. And I'm just like, wait, exactly. I'm seeing a lot of movies I would never have given a shit about. These terrible romantic comedies just to make fun of them. Like, what? That's become my, that's not improving. Why am I bragging? On the internet. Uh, so, so you like this movie? Yes. No. I love the acting, and I love the message as it is. Like, I think. All right. So let's talk about the acting because um, let me just say that uh, along with your uh, vocal impersonation of John Hurt when we did, I don't know. I think it was Hercules, um, which was which might <laughs> you know as, as much as I. <laughs> I remember wheezing a lot. 
<laughs> and I, I, just, I love your Kevin Costner. Your John Hurt is my absolute favorite. But you are clipping the way you say certain words when you're doing the Jake Gyllenhaal impersonation in this is awesome. You, I'm trying I to mean, fumble it. Dude, we I could know, edit. I would make it so good if we could just I don't know edit. where you got your training, whether it was Chechnya or wherever. Uh, but, sorry. Some, of the, some of them are easy to do. But it but sucks. This it was awesome. You were so good at this. But did and you like Jake Gyllenhaal in this? Yeah, I loved it. I love he, – he reminded me of uh, De Niro in King of Comedy in a good way. Like I love – Ah, that's a great – I didn't even think of that. That's great. That would be my over, although I would – it seems kind of like I'm spit throwing an ace, but like I, those, it's very similar in theme, that movie. Oh, man. I didn't even think of that, that it's awesome. The uh, way – but the way you just clip the words, the way he does the talking in this, yeah. uh, I, I just love – I can't wait to go back and and I don't always do this, but I can't wait to go back and listen to your ops just to hear you do that voice because Ugh, it's excruciating. Um, no, it's not for me. I love it. I love that. So you you like Jake Gyllenhaal in this, right? I do, and I also like, and I think this is endemic to why I like the movie is like at the beginning his manner, which to me is very. It, I have the same reaction to it as the other characters. Like, get away from me, you fucking slimy, money grumming piece of shit. Like, shut up. And then notice he doesn't change that at all. And and soon he's successful, and he's changed nothing about the way he behaves. It's like you see this all the time, every day in your life. Like people who are successful for whatever reason, they act just that that way. Way. They've like got this act they've they've done. It's their game face, and it it's considered totally a social appeal. Like oh, that Jake Gyllenhaal trying to grind me down on that fucking Shade Lakes. Exact same manner, exact same motives, exact same repartee. But it's like now he's in the world where they love it because she sees it right away. And she's like oh yeah, you know, but she doesn't want to sleep with him. She doesn't find it desirable. I know, isn't that awesome? Isn't that an yeah. awesome development? Yeah, that, that, actually, that yeah. Not yeah. immediately like, oh god, I got to jump in the bed. No. And when I, he pushes that on her, she's like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Yeah, maybe love her character because I thought she was going to go right for him. Like, oh, this is the success I've always been looking for. Oh, he's so young, and I can shape him into mine. And instead, she's just like, "Dude, fuck this! You're way." I think you're she's, way out of your audience. Yeah, I think she's a little scared of him, which is yeah, which she should be. It's justified. But she, he turns her. Yeah. Do you think he can detect when people are scared of him? I mean, is he somewhere like on the spectrum? I mean, what's his deal? Is he sociopathic? What's well, we don't on? know his origins, and I, I'm fine with that. We don't need to know his yeah, origins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you. the movie starts, he's already trying his bit on guys he's worked with before, and they're not having any of it. Right. And it's like he's, he crams for his exam. He, like, studies... Am I am I misremembering a scene where he's saying something in the mirror to rehearse saying it so he sounds actually like like his, oh. his like his mom dad he's like she had a good life she really her she was really comfortable there at the end but he's like he's practicing it or did I totally dream that um, no what you I think you might be thinking of enemy actually really I didn't I didn't re see enemy I didn't either but um, but that but sounds like something from enemy yeah. Well, no, there's there's sort of a uh, um, he rehearses a raging bull kind of a, a a moment in enemy is there where he's doing that that kind of like I'm going to rehearse this in the mirror kind of a thing. Yeah, I thought that was a pep talk. No, but I but I think he's also doing I think he's also rehearsing something. I don't know if there I, I I there's a rehearsal scene in this. I just think that I think that this particular character um, is. <sighs> He lacks empathy. He's he's not yeah. able to feel for other people, but he and understands that about himself. But he also doesn't like other people, and he excuses right. that. 
Um, and what's awesome about this character is that he just keeps trying this this same pattern with with you know it's like trying like the same move in a fight on a video game until oh I found a character where this move works with, and so he's trying the same move until it works and it finally works in television. Right. He knows he knows like when it's right to exhibit it. Right. How to use well, it tactically. Well, he does actually. He doesn't know when it's right to exhibit. Not at first. Trying it with with the wrong people. Right, right. But he learns. He gets right. gets better as the movie progresses. Absolutely. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Those payback novels. I'm always prattling about um, about that character of Parker. Like something about him in the books that was always interesting to me was. Um, he would always turn the TV on when he had company over before they were going to talk about like a heist or something because he'd found it said that it, people found it weird for him to be sitting in the dark without anything on. Like he would sit in the dark and <laughs> not do anything because he was that much of an ascetic. <laughs> so he, he let the TV on so people would go, Parker's fucking nuts. He's just sitting in the dark waiting for us. Can't trust him. So it's like he's, he's already knows to put on these poses to appear normal enough to like deal with people right? to get what he needs. And this character's like that too. Right. Yeah. I think you're right. I think he, I think he's actually studying mm-hmm. um, in order to be able to exist in the human world, but he's not likable. He's not cute. And that's, what's cool about the movie is like, look, look what you look like. He's a model for success in today's society. And look, look what he, look, look at the, uh, traits he practiced to perfection to get there like that's your modicum that's your yardstick success right yeah 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 i'm with you i mean and what i'm so excited about because i think this this performance is phenomenal Mm -hmm. um and i'm what i'm so excited about is that um that four of the best performances this year are by two actors that should not be giving us those kinds of performances and then and that's Jake Gyllenhaal and Scarlett Johansson. And they're doing incredible work. And really, we should be discounting them as just pretty people doing pretty things. Um, instead, he's doing this in Enemy, and Scarlett Johansson is doing Under the Skin and Lucy, which I know not everybody loves Lucy, but uh, but I think, that, I think there's a lot between this and, and um, Under the Skin that can go together as far as a performance of a, a character who's learning how to live in the human world um, and by actors who could very well just be running around doing goofy Avengers or um, Prince of Persia movies for the rest of their careers but instead they're doing this uh, I mean this movie um, I'm just I'm floored by uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's performance here and it reminds me very much of what uh, Scarlett Johansson is doing in Under the Skin yeah, it's acting just her learning bodies. Every movement they make is part of the character. Like it's something I could never do. Yeah, I mean, just you know, witness the way. I mean, you know, it's a go-to move for actors to lose a bunch of weight, and he's very gaunt and and weird and creepy in this. But that that way that he just looks at everybody and the way he uses his body and his face in this movie, just as he's be. As he's learning, I mean, to me, he's very much an alien in this, yeah. in a different world. I mean, it's 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 very much like an alien learning to live among humans. And as he goes on, he progresses. He, it's like he's telling everybody, you, you know, I've been reading all of these things, and I'm learning how to become a human. Mm-hmm. 
And I love the way that Jake Gyllenhaal brings that forward. I, I love this performance so much. I love all the performances. Yeah. But I just think that uh, I never would have expected, you know, looking at like a few years ago, that Jake Gyllenhaal would, would get to this point. Uh, and that, that Jake Gyllenhaal and Scarlett Johansson have given these kind of performances. And really, you could, at the end of the year, you might be able to fill up the um, best actor or best uh, supporting actor things with like a couple of their performances is phenomenal to me. He's never sucked, although I've never considered him scary. I've never considered him like someone who could play the anti- an antagonist in a movie. I don't yeah. necessarily think he's that per se in this. Like it's not That's like he's descending yeah. some height. But Scarlett Johansson, you would never have been able to convince me. Scarlett Johansson's gonna be naked in a science fiction movie for the whole movie, and you're gonna be creeped out. And I would have said, mm. next yeah. you say Aronofsky is going to cast a Wayans and it's, and Jennifer Connelly is gonna be naked, and it's gonna be completely the least arousing scene in movie history. What else you got? <laughs> so me. you you said antagonist. Is he the antagonist of this movie? Uh, you know, I, labels are serviceable when you need them. Like, it's about a movie about a certain type of person and a certain type of world. It's a rags-to-riches story. No, but I love that you said that, because he is he is both, isn't he? Yeah, but I mean, I think the part of it is like, does that by, by the definition then make his sidekick the protagonist who we should be... No, nah, his sidekick is a sidekick. I, mean, I, I really like that guy. That, that's Riz Ahmed. He was in... Uh, we, we saw him in um, Closed Circuit, I think is the movie. Um, is, but the he guy, also, is the MacGuffin in that? He was the guy who like comes into interview. Uh-huh. Uh, and then he was also in Four Lions. He's a really good actor, and he's great in this. I think. It's a thankless role. Especially he's got... He's playing off Gyllenhaal. Right. Who's magnetic in this. Well, he has to it's just look like I'm playing the loser role. Uh, yeah, but he's playing a loser who has to listen to Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, his job is being with that guy every night. So what's that do to you? <laughs> yeah. Less than you would think. Less than it probably would to us. But we don't know much about him, and that's cool. That's something I like. I like in movies where they don't tell you hardly anything about the characters. Like, you just have to go on what you're shown. Yeah, and I didn't, you know, I didn't even think about that. And you said something like that a little bit earlier. Um, I didn't even think about that fact, and I think you're totally right. Yeah, uh, we don't I, get a whole lot of uh, idea of who. What what is his name? Lewis. Yeah, uh, and I love the way he he insists on his name is Lewis, but then he'll he'll change his name and he'll call him Richard or Rick, depending yeah. on the situation. Um, but yeah, I I love that fact that we we have no idea where that guy came from. I yeah, love or what he would have done. Like he was obviously. The movie opens with him strongly contemplating a forced career change, and then he just sees an accident and pulls over. Like, if the accident hadn't happened, you know, would he be in a hospital? Euthanasia? Well, you know, I think that his life has been a series of these events. Right, right. I mean, that's why he ends up clipping a fence at the beginning of the movie. Right. He came by and he saw somebody doing that, or yeah. somebody else told him, this is how you get scrap metal, or at some other point, this happened. I think he's just, and he's just this, like, I don't know, this parasite who's looking yeah. to, uh, oh, well, this is something else I can get. This is something else. Yeah, he sees the fence. He sees a bunch of squares and goes, this is worth value. I will take some of this using these. Like, it's a really cool symbolic opening for that character. So this this movie was directed by Dan Gilroy. Brother? What'd you say? Brother to Tony? 
Yeah. It, so both of his brothers worked on this. Um, so he's the Stephen Baldwin. Well, he well, he's he wrote uh, he's written a whole bunch of stuff. Um, I think this is the first thing he's directed. But his brother Tony um, wrote uh, you know uh, wrote and directed uh, or at least directed uh, Michael Clayton, and his brother John edited this movie and a bunch of other movies. So they all worked on the Bourne Legacy. Um, John Gilroy edited this. Uh, Tony Gilroy produced it and dan gilroy this i think this is the first thing that he's directed but he wrote it and he's he's been a screenwriter for a long time um but i i think that for a first time thing that he's directed i'm floored by it oh yeah and where it's so it hinges so much on the performance too like he's giving the movie to gyllenhaal pretty much yeah yeah you're absolutely right I'm, good and, at. yeah and 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 jake gyllenhaal does uh is does get a producer credit but um, but definitely, you get the sense that that Dan Gallery understands what he has here, and he's like, "Yeah, you you run this with because you you've got this performance. Go go with it." And I mean, if you think about the way that uh, Jake Gyllenhaal does an enemy, and I would encourage everybody to go see Enemy, uh-huh. um, and the the two different ways that he acts those kind of roles, it's weird because the the uh, the more cynical of the two dudes that he plays in that movie, it feels like that kind of works over into this character. I just love what he's doing here. Yeah, it's definitely not a vanity piece. Oh he's, no, yeah, I totally he's shown agree. some skills. As opposed to like Brad Pitt, who's kind of like coasting, and he keeps getting lauded for fucking Twelve Years a Slave and for Fury, even though he's kind of playing Brad Pitt mostly. Like Jake Gyllenhaal's not playing who I would. Have I consider Jake Gyllenhaal to be like. Is that a weird comparison? Uh, it's not a weird comparison. I just uh, I it's like nothing in common. No, no, it's not that. I, I take a, a moment to um, pause because I think Brad Pitt does great in Fury. Uh, I disagree with that just because um, I think that I've heard people since we did the podcast for Fury say things about him playing the same part he played in Glorious Bastards, and I could not agree disagree more um i think that uh what he's doing he's he's totally dialing he's he's got this dial on him brad pitt's really good at that uh but you know i'm i'm a huge brad pitt apologist and i think with fury he's turned the dial way down in a different direction and i think in inglorious bastards he was doing something that was far more cartoonish but good for that movie yeah but I, I'm, you know, that's the thing. Twelve Years a Slave, though, was the most annoying of those three. Well, the, you know, I like a Glorious Bastards. I'm a huge fan of Glorious. Bastards. Twelve Years a Slave, I did not like, and I did not like it partly because he just you know, Deus Ex Machina is it and saves everybody. Yeah, he gets to parachute in and be yeah, the helpful white, like, right? Yeah, and I didn't appreciate and, that. And he He's gets, a producer is, on that, and exactly. Then like, yeah. so I'm comparing that. Say, I'll take the other two off the table because they're a little more complex. Fury, I look, I like Fury too. I feel like you. You guys think I like Fury less than I do. I definitely think it's a really cool action movie. But Brad Pitt in 12 Years a Slave versus what Jake Gyllenhaal's trying to do with this movie. Oh, well, those, those yeah, things don't even compare. I mean, this is uh, – I, I personally think that this, this, this is like an Oscar-worthy performance. I just love what he's doing here. But I, you know, but I loved what he was doing in Enemy too. But, yeah, what Brad Pitt was doing in 12 Years a Slave is just a, you know, white guilt crap i, I couldn't right say it could be anybody wasn't well, this it's like 
this guy, he has to do a metamorphosis in this movie, and it has to be convincing. It's like he starts out not right, and he ends as not right, but you have to believe that, okay, Rene Russo's taking, playing the hand she's been dealt. She's awesome, by the way. She's so great. I didn't. I, I, lo- I love her in this. She's actually the, you know, this doesn't really matter. Um, she's uh, uh, she's voice- married to Dan Gilroy, um, who's the director of this. But she's been in other things that that he's done. That's fine. No, but she, she's just she's perfect. Her she's voice, absolutely oh, perfect. Ugh. In in that Mexican restaurant when they're when she, when he's actually making that first like this is our transaction. Um, I need sort of physical contact here, and her reactions, understanding yeah. her career, and not running away, and how she plays that is phenomenal. She's the protagonist. She's like she's reacting exactly. Ah, that's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's why when at the end you're like, oh, really? He wins. He he outplayed her. Fuck. But you believe it. They've made it believable. But she is really great. She's not in it as much as you'd think, considering how crucial she is. I think I've always really, really liked her. I think she's a really. I don't remember the last time I saw her. I meant just her character when I was saying that. But I was trying to think of like the last one. This was what Lethal Weapon Four. No, well, for me, it was um, watching that silly Thomas Crown Affair remake, which he was really good at. Thomas uh, Crown Affair remake. But you can go to that. But she's uh, sorry. But she, it, it, and it's John McTiernan, isn't it? Isn't Tom, uh, yeah, I think it is. Um, but it, but it's tougher for a, a woman of her age in Hollywood to get decent roles. Yeah. I mean, it's that, that's just the deal. And she she made she's she makes. These roles work in exactly the right dial of sexiness, and she's oh. awesome. I think she's amazing. Yeah, you have to believe she would be convincing in this, yet jaded, yet so much that he's that a, a guy who's as crazy as Jillian Hall's character would go. It has to be her. Yeah, has and also that she has this 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 air of vulnerability but mm-hmm. toughness, and she she nails it. She's awesome in this movie. And the only time he ever cracks is with her when he's like, and it's not going to be like it was last time in your apartment. It's like the first time we've seen real. Oh, that moment is so great. so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that moment so much. And that's where, she, like, where he tells her, you're going to do what I do and not like you the moment in your apartment. It was yeah. such a weird moment. Uh, yeah. It's, he, never before that does he let it, his emotions show. He's always thinking tactically. And at the, he, I know. Like, yeah, but that's the one point where he's like, that is not happening again, bitch. Never. I know. I, that's, I'm so black glad you brought that up. No because, mistake. Here's how blackmail works. Because he smiles in this weird, creepy way, uh, like when he says, it happened during a car Yeah, it's a win-win. Smiles. Mm-hmm. Because he's just he's he's genuinely happy for right. what this is going to give him. But that I, moment where he's talking about, and not like it is last time in your yeah. apartment. Oh, that's a great moment. Yeah, yeah. It's like he's selling, 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 and there's just one moment of truth. It's like... Did, did you know when, when he said that? Okay, I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Oh, Kelly, I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, I love that. Did you know when he brought that up that they had that they had actually um, that they had consummated that? Uh, it told that me everything pretty- I needed to know. Yes, yeah. everything. Like now, it's like if she'd said blow by blow what had happened, I would know less than the right. way his face. Did you know? Was. But before he said that line, did you know that they had already gone ahead? Uh, that that the thing that they talked about I, in the Mexican so, restaurant because it would say after she's bad like what give me what you promised me right 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 implies she's given him something like he owes her she, I don't think she would have been as like yeah has anything the other wants it's going nowhere 
but I wasn't. I she's wasn't certain that that she had actually that she had actually given over that part of their negotiations. Right. Yeah, I wasn't certain at that point until he says that. Yeah, and right. she looks so fearful, and you yeah. think, "Oh my God, what went on in the department? Oh my God!" We're not supposed to know until then. I think that's yeah. what, the power of the scene. It's it's deliberately. Oh man, I'm so happy you brought that up. We're like, are they fucking? Oh shit! Now not only, now we know more than we even wanted to know. I, absolutely, you're absolutely right because at that moment I'm so creeped out it's and pissed excited. Off. He never gets he gets pissed at uh, what's the buddy's name? Sidekick Richard. Rick. Richard. Rick. We we seem kind of. He doesn't get mad though. He never loses his cool. But you can see the moment where he's like, when he goes, okay, I guess I have to give it to you and. There's clearly no double entendre, even. But, like, she makes him lose his temper. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to see them in bed instantly. Oh, I didn't think about that. Instead and I love, I love that Dan Gilroy doesn't show us any now, of that. Now, doesn't build that relationship at all as far as that level is concerned. Nope. You get it with it's, your acting. There's your money shot. It's all acting, and it's all just a little bit of dialogue, and this is where you're going to get it. Mm-hmm. And there's not going to be any satisfaction for it deal with it it would have ruined the scene if we'd seen it and then he says that we go of course absolutely yeah it's the fact it's that his face in that shot that goes oh fuck i feel like i was at the sex scene and looking away in horror at her distaste that's fascinating to me just like ah yeah that's what fascinates me about this movie and that's and that's why reading the uh the rating of the movie was so interesting to me because because yeah, at the beginning true. of this movie, they talk about disclaimers and, and warning everybody. And so uh, very much for me, this movie is about um, what we get away with showing people either on television or in movies based on how we label it and yeah. how we warn them about it. Yeah. We blur the face. Uh, we, well, and see, he, the fir- he first becomes interested because he's there and the cops are like fighting with that chick on the freeway. That is the very first accident. And then he sees on, on the news how they edited it to look like they're pulling her from the wreck. Right, where they maybe was the implication that they they aggravated her injuries. To no, make I don't think shot so. Because just, they're the I think it was just that they saved her. Because for most of the movie, the police are in, are against Gyllenhaal and Rene Russo. They're fucking annoyed well, by them. Well, it's not just that. It's that. It's that. And I was thinking about this when I was driving around today. It's like while I was watching the movie, it was on my. You know, when he was in the Corolla and then when he was in the Dodge Challenger later on, it's like, why is no cop pulling him right. over? Yeah, he's speeding. Mm-hmm. Well, he's always going to where the cops are going as well. Right. Um, so he's, yeah, he's always sort of like going down the funnel with them. So he doesn't have to but deal with they've them. lost some people because of him. So you, if I was the cops, I'd be plotting a trap. I'd be doing what he does back where he gets shot in the crossfire. And they're like, oh, heroic journalist caught in crossfire <laughs> the same way he was doing um do you Just think this, here's a question i wanted to ask because i don't really always know where to put this um do you think this is a satire uh satires must be funny aren't they if it's not sat- satire it's drama all right I think, I, think there's, satire. I think there's moments in this that are satire. Yeah, yeah well, it's not. It, yeah, network. It's not that. But I think we're supposed to believe in these characters all the way through. And I think in a satire, there's a cert, there's a level of it's like a bank shot more. I mean, these uh-huh. are like I said, labels are kind of they're a little confining. <laughs> yeah, you're right. 
You're right. Um, and it's it's telling a story that's I think we're all up to speed on. Like it never says, "Oh, you're all ghouls for wanting to see the bodies." It's more about like, here's the guy who's here's the guy who works at the on the kill floor. Like this is how insane he really is, but it, it wouldn't matter because he knows he, this is the kind of guy you need to get what you demand value wise. Like he's the fastest. Right. He winds up with the most vans because he's quicker than Paxton. <laughs> Paxton doesn't know the other guy's brakes. It's a break off. Right. Fair enough. I like Paxton. I, I, I had no idea how to answer that question, um, but uh, but I think you're I think you're really. I think you're right. There's a lot of those. There's some I've been seeing. There's that Wag the Dog one with Dustin Hoffman. Right. There's that French one that was sort of found footagey. Mad City, also with Dustin. Dustin Hoffman loves this theme. <laughs> yeah. He should have been in this as a rival anchorman, I guess. I don't, I don't think it's satire because I just don't think that what Dan Gilroy is, is going for is about news. I think it's about something larger. Um, because nobody watches I just don't believe anybody watches local news um, so I think that what he's doing is creating characters and and creating a world for us and, you know like a little habit trail and then he's just showing us characters yeah that's what I love about this movie but the characters are really cool and convincing and I get his point but it's also like remember that movie wait what was the Jason Statham Death Race like the whole concept of that movie was in the original, the 1976 one, you just raced and cut people's heads off and got bonuses if you ran over old ladies. But in the new one, it was like, you get a higher hit count. People are watching the second someone dies, even though how they know that's the moment someone's going to die always makes sense, really, for that formula. But, you know, I don't really seek that shit out. I'm as ghoulish as anybody. Yeah. So I think I think we're on good footing, Dingus, as long as you and I are in charge of the internet. I think you're right. Uh, so, over-under. Um is there a movie that you would put over this and a movie you would put under it? Over it? Just because it's sort of more... It's kind of faster and there's twists and shit, maybe? I like To Die For a lot with Nicole Kidman. Oh. Why? I don't remember To Die For. Was she... Why would you pick that? Well, she she was obsessed with cameras and always wanted to be famous. Oh, all right. I so remember she that. becomes a newswoman of her local news... Oh, yeah! I can't believe you don't remember. It was, it was like, and Matt Dillon's her husband. He's like salt of the earth dude, but she wants to like trade up so she can become this rich journalist lady. Oh, okay. All I remember is her setting that dude. Quest up. for fame. I didn't remember the the news part of that. All right. There's a lot of news. It's this. It's the subtext for the whole movie. Like this is why this woman exists is because the news is there to be fed by her. I guess okay. Network's the other one. But I picked To Die For because I think that movie holds up. And it was made at a time when that kind of thing was... Like, you didn't need to do what we did for Nightcrawler and go, well, okay, it's a universe where local news is worth a lot of money. <laughs> well, like I said, it's just a lot of money to him. Like, he's saying shit like 50000 She's like, we don't have that. Like, I think even real local news... I don't know though. Do they get? Do they pay dudes for just footage of ambulance ambulance stuff? Like I don't even. Yeah, know. yeah. I'm sure all of that's real. And but then they pixelate all of it. They don't pixelate all of it, but I think this is an extreme version of it. Yeah. Again, I don't. I cannot conceive of. Yeah, because we're not gets up in the morning and wants to see what the big news about Los Angeles is. Right, but, but that was just, that was just clicking that... on Google News or something. Yeah. 
or just celebrity shit. So, uh, so what's your under? My, then? Over, my under would either be the Onion movie. <laughs> what? There was an Onion movie where they I were did, I did not taken know over by a corporation and that needs to show more bad news. But we're supposed <laughs> to take it seriously. It's a satire. Of the All first right, the, qualified the satire. movie. Or American Dreams. Uh, it's a Hugh Grant movie with Mandy Moore. That's uh, Britney Spears. I don't even know what that is. But it's like I, Tida mixed up with American Idol mixed <laughs> up with um, some. Some. Those are my over-unders. All right, good. My uh, my over, uh, it, this is totally easy for me. I just went for something that was news-related, and that's His Girl Friday. Um, I didn't see that. Oh, God. I but, love that. See, Tom, go at apeshit. Grandpa, yeah. movie. what year is that? Oh, who knows? I have no idea. I just Wait, now I'm curious. I, I keep, I'll stop cutting you off. Describe His Girl Friday to me. Total ignorant buffoon. What? Me. Have you never seen His Girl Friday? No. It's one of those titles I mixed up with other things. Is it a musical? It's Cary no, Grant. Not. It's got to be Cary Grant, right? Dick yes, it's Cary Grant. And I like Cary Grant, so I should see this movie. Who's the girl? Pamela Tiffin. You're making me so upset right now. I cannot I believe. To see, I want to watch him. It's as Rosalind as... Russell. Come on. Oh, I get her mixed up with the other Rosalinds. Okay, yes. All right. Wait, so they stuck on an island. They're stuck on an island in 1940, and they're newspaper people. Uh, and it's directed by Howard Hawks. They're not on an island. Um, uh, it's just that the dialogue, the patter, um, and the it, it's just one of my favorite movies and I've watched it so many times. So, um, choosing it over when I was just looking for a news movie, really when I was thinking about over under the under is not a news movie, but my over is definitely, uh, his girl Friday. That's over this movie. Yeah, that's, well, that's what I choose. Movies in the middle. Right. Right. So the under I would choose, and and please bear with me here as I tell you why it is my under. My under would be the movie Crash. Um, which one? The, what do you mean, which one? The David Cronenberg, Peter Weller one about car accidents. Which <sighs> this is about car accidents, or the racist I've, one that I it sucks. I've never watched the <laughs> the one that that broke back mountain for everybody. No, I'm talking about the Paul Haggis one, obviously. Yeah. Um, and the reason I'm bringing it up, and it seems like low-hanging fruit because I'm on it's record. Not, it. uh, I don't know, but, dude. <laughs> Crash is under for Nightcrawler. Here's why. Okay. Uh, because, it sounds like a strange choice. Uh, it is a strange choice, and here's why I chose it. I mean, because I went through a bunch of like other newsy movies, but this is, I'm not choosing it for the news element. It's the under for every movie. I'm choosing it because I believe that one of the most important characters in Nightcrawler is Los Angeles. And sure. um, you often see uh, New York City used as a character in movies and, and to such great effect. It's more difficult to do that in Los Angeles, I think, um, because Los Angeles is such a sprawling, weird city. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that um, Dan Gurley does such a great job of making Los Angeles a character in this movie. Um, you know, in much the same way that um, that uh, that they do that in End of Watch. Um, this is not Dan Gilroy, of course, but but in this movie in particular, he makes Los Angeles such an incredibly interesting character. It's so important 
I think that this movie take place in Los Angeles because of how how sprawling and weird it is. And yeah. it made me think of playing uh, Midnight Club Los Angeles, which is you know this this really wonderful racing game where you get to run all over Los Angeles. Um, and and what I love about this movie is uh, is Rene Russo saying things like uh, we we love crime but not all crime. So if, if there's a carjacking in Compton, we don't care. She goes, uh, you brought me only a stabbing in Corona. Yeah. The way she says Corona. And so when the, there's a home invasion in Granada Hills, that's important. Right. And when, when we're talking about Laurel Canyon versus Coldwater Canyon, that's important. I love that because I've lived here for so long. Uh, I know I know many of these streets. And I love yeah. the way he, he makes that so important. And the reason I choose crash as the under is that crash takes place in los angeles as well but it feels like los angeles is cursory it just feels like uh paul haggis doesn't understand um how to incorporate that but he just doesn't understand how to make a movie as far as i'm concerned so uh, the reason i'm putting it as an under is that i love los angeles as a character in this and i and i think it's more effective here than it is in the movie crash um why I would choose His Girl Friday over this is just because of the news aspects of it. Because I love that sort of news thing. And I think that they have a little bit of that here. Like when they go into that, when they wander onto the move, uh, onto the set of the news thing, and he goes, wow, it looks so real on TV. And then they have this like back and forth, but there's more monologuing in this instead of like that quick back and forth that you get in a Howard Hawks movie with with uh, with Cary Grant and Rosalind Russell. It's just I just love yeah. that for it. Um, anyway, so that's my that's my over under. Yeah, that is where the that backdrop of of a starlit valley filled with lights that to me is really depressing. <laughs> what do you mean? I don't know. Like that is scenery. It always kind of bums me out because it's like there's traffic that people are in all the time. Uh, it's yeah. just some shit. Illumination with traffic. I don't. You know what? I, I I do not have that connotation because uh, one of my favorite things. Um, you know, I live up more. I live higher up now. I like like more in the mountains now. But when I lived down in the valley, my favorite theater to go to was the ArcLight Sherman Oaks. And one of my favorite rituals was to go to that theater and grab a beer at the bar there right before seeing a movie. Um, and the bar is set up there so that you can look up the 405. Uh, I mean, there's these huge windows there. The Arclight Sherman Oaks Gorgeous Theater. and, and But they, they've got this amazing bar. You sit there at the bar and you can look up the 405, which you would think like would be, oh, that's totally annoying. Why would you want to look at the 405? It's a boring freeway. But at night, it looks like this river of lights. When you're sitting there at the bar and you're having a beer and you're looking at these and the, at the cars going up and the cars coming down, and when you're in the when you're on the 405, it's totally depressing and horrible. But sitting there at the bar and having a beer and watching this just this steady flow of lights going down and then the red lights of the brake lights going up, it was just gorgeous. So so when he says it looks so real on TV, I totally got that. You know, what looks better than that is a river of lights. <laughs> I guess what I'm saying. Take is that, I'm, LA apologists. I unapologetically love Los Angeles. Uh, All right, so so for uh, so now that we've done our over under, let us move on to our mini movie club. Oh shit! Oh, I apologize. Do not apologize. Nah, the listeners. Was a movie last week. No, this. Is, I'll bet. 
based on John Wick about a dude who's a professional assassin. That yeah, he chose Hitman. That's no excuse. That's no excuse. No one wanted to see Hitman this week. It's fucking Halloween, and I'm picking <laughs> a fucking seven-year-old Timothy Oliphant bald movie. Olga Kurilenko naked. That could be. Oh, an- she's so naked. She's Holy so- cow! I forgot oh, how naked she is. So did you, did did you think- watch it again? Be honest. Did yeah. you watch it again? Yeah, and I went, oh, thank God she's naked in this. Maybe, is that oh, what I was... She's so naked! Oh, my God! <laughs> and in Ad Max Payne, she's fucking... She's hot as fuck, and they have no interest in fucking her. They're just like... Like, he, st- he drugs her in this, so she'll stop talking about fucking... <laughs> Shut up, awesome? right? They yeah. have so... It's not that they have no chemistry, it's that they have negative chemistry. Yeah. Which I like, too, because it's, it's the movie. But they it's never resolved, really. It's never like she finally makes a man back out of him. No, no, there's no interest in that whatsoever. Yeah, he's just there's shit to do. <laughs> Timing's terrible. <laughs> so tell me why you picked Hitman after she's we naked. watched John Wick. Why did you pick Hitman? John Wick didn't have any naked women in it. All right. Um, I don't know, dude. I don't know what I was thinking. I might have gotten mixed up with Max Payne, like I did when I bought the game. Because I thought she was naked in both the games. Uh, do you like the movie? Yeah, it actually holds up. I think it's a piffle, but it's not... The action's all right. I really, I really like that fight on the train in the middle. With the swords and the guns, and he's like, should we die with little dignity? But then... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't understand that, though. I didn't quite either. I don't think it makes sense. Are they all there to get him? No. That's what's confusing about it. So they wouldn't all want to dig- go, okay, but they're all bald. So you're yeah. a little clear. Well, they're they're all the hitmen, dude. They're all the they're they're all the dudes. But see, there's that one cop who's bald. I thought was one of them, but his, and his arms in a sling. But that's a different guy, right? Yeah. What's his name? Sight. Okay. See, because that guy's bald too. There's every character's bald in this movie except Kurilenko. Down there. <laughs> so when they all show up on the train, and they're like, "Let's die with dignity." Yeah. Why are they all? there he's a he's a loose end who knows that the wrong guy's been assassinated or something he knows too much and he's trying to find out too much okay other three see why would they i think it's a 3v1 then that makes more sense because it's not a 1v1v1v1 well that would make sense except for the fact that they all point they their guns kill him. they would all all the the other three would just yeah him damn it doesn't make any sense because even because two of them have to be on the same side because they're all hitmen they're in the same jacket i think they are all after him but xavier jens just thought it would be cool if we all point our guns at each other that's what see that's bullshit that's what uh quentin tarantino said about true romance that made that was kind of cool was he goes what he goes Back when True Romance came out, he goes, whenever there's a Mexican standoff in a movie, it never ends the way it's supposed to. It doesn't have just a fucking bloodbath. They always have a Mexican standoff, and then it's kind of like, it's always interrupted by something. And so True Romance was like, here's a Mexican standoff, and it ends with the way a Mexican standoff sh- should end. And True Romance or Reservoir Dogs? True Romance. Because oh, I'm just thinking of the moment where, where Chris Penn and Harvey Cartel and uh, Tim Roth are all pointing their guns at each other. He's like, stop pointing your gun at my Oh, dick. yeah, well, that too. But and like, we all shoot each other. Boom, 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 boom. Well, true, true romance, they're actual Mexicans, and there's shitloads of them. Like a big line of dudes. Oh, okay, like, I see. Big one guy in the line who goes, wait, what? What are we standing off for? Like, somebody has to shoot first. Well, if it's just three dudes, 
That's not a Mexican standoff. In fact, any odd number can't be a Mexican standoff. <laughs> really? It can't be? Nope. Just like the Giants winning the World Series. has to be even years. Oh, very nice. Done. That's for Tom. All right, so I didn't understand that train scene, but I, I did, like did kind of like the fight in it. Um, I, just, I, I also... Go ahead. That's it. I just explained it. I also don't understand... I, I, I mean, this is how I felt the first time... Um, I, I don't understand. You create a this this whole group of super assassins, right? right. You shave their heads and then you tattoo the back of? their necks, and then and then they just walk around like this. It's kind of easy to yeah. identify them. Yeah, I mean I they're not going to be able to disappear in a crowd, and you're not going to put wigs on any of them. Yeah, but the cops have it way easier now. They've got their barcodes. Mm-hmm. I mean, hello, plain view. I, I mean, and they don't they, hide them. They don't try to hide them either. That's very much just ported over from a video game. I mean, it's so video gamey. It's just like as if we expect nobody else to recognize the fact that I'm this character, that I am controlling third person with a bark on his neck. And the the guy walks into any situation. If a dude walks into any situation and he's bald and has a barcode on his neck, most people are going to pick up on it that he's kind of weird. Yeah. And I, so I don't, I don't get at all. And, and, Furthermore, Timothy Oliphant, which who I love, I love that guy so much. Um, he's just we all love him. I don't buy him. I don't buy him as a bald badass. I just don't buy it. He looks so. He looks like a duck. He looks like Howard the Duck or something. Yeah, I mean, not every not everybody can be bald. That's the thing. Some guys look cool bald, some guys don't. I've always wanted to shave my head and see if I look cool bald, but I'm sure I'm going to look like Timothy Even Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant, the cutest of white men. He's not just cute, he's badass and like injustified. He's awesome. Right, right. But notice when he's he not bald. His head, he just looks like, well, okay. Yeah. He doesn't look badass at all. It's terrible. Hmm. Oh, my God. I don't know why they chose him. I mean, I, I think that, you know, throwing Vin Diesel in there or somebody, I don't know who Is else you would... bald? That's not acting. What? That's not acting if you cast a bald actor. You can't just throw Bruce Willis and Ben Kingsley in there. you got to fucking <laughs> shake it up. <laughs> ben Kingsley it's got to be Timothy Oliphant or Channing Tatum or... Um, who's like the hairiest dude? So wait, is that supposed to be the point that, that he... Harrison Ford's even got hair in his name. Uh, very good, actually. Let's see, but like, why would she be that into him when he's bald? I, too, uh, I don't know. I think because of things he says. Who knows? It's true. There's certainly no heat between them whatsoever. Good lord. There's always heat from her. Oh yeah, she she gives us a fair amount of heat, but there there's no chemistry between them whatsoever. She always is poorly used in the movies. Like by the other characters, she's always getting whipped and thrown downstairs, and like or put back into a up. in uh, oblivion. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that might be the exception that proves the rule. Right. Fair enough. All right. So, do we have any listeners who wrote in about uh, the amazing Hitman movie we saw? We had two, which is kind of. People saying, stop making me watch Hitman. <laughs> and they're right, because it's fucking Halloween. 
I should have picked something. This is my chance to make you watch things that I want. I've always wanted you to see. And look how I fritter that away. Fucking frittered away. You like play you just see it, man. Make you watch things. I can see Olga Kurilenko naked without you. I don't need to drag the whole world into this. And the world said no wand. Yeah. Not interested. The world said no wand. Dave Perkins, I want to participate, but Hitman has a 14% rating at Rotten Tomatoes. I can't pull that trigger. I'm sorry. Still want to discuss Martyrs, though. That's his entire email on Hitman. That's half of our listener submissions. Chris Markardson, whose love we can never doubt. Absolutely. He's our biggest fan. And we have some... I'm I'm his biggest fan. He's... Yeah, I am too. That dude, man. He gets... I don't really. I don't like us that much. He likes us more than I can. He likes us more than we like ourselves. Yeah, way more, way more. Hey guys, I know it's too late to ask for it, but Hitman is a movie that really should have a Kelly Wan synopsis. I was why I was thinking while I was watching it, like this part is kind of (laughs) opsy. I sometimes notice it in movies more than others. A hit mopsis would be awesome, I suspect. Oh, you know what, though? I have queued up. My Netflix is Black Death, which some dude was obsessed with getting an opsis for. Yeah, Black Death. So I'm going to try and like insert that into... The Sean Bean movie? I don't know that he's in it. That's a spoiler. All I know All right. is about the Black Death. Which I, uh, sorry, I thought I, I, thought I remember Tom uh, talking to me about He did. He did. And then I was the... Since I didn't see it, he kind of like had to play mum. So now's now's our chance to reinstate the blah 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 blah. All right, good. Hitmopsis would be awesome, I suspect. Oh, I can't have everything, I guess, but I'll take Olga Kurilenko naked as a very welcome consolation. At the funeral, the Russian general seemed almost to have a British accent. I was wondering if maybe they had just stopped trying at that point in the filming, or maybe he was also <laughs> raised by Marco Ramius's paternal grandfather. Uh, <laughs> See, that's for you. Well done, Chris. Thank you. No one forgets Dingus's love. Wait, was that the movie? No, it was Midnight Run you broke up with. You still like Hunt for October. I broke up it? with. I only broke up with it to grief you. I've never broken up with uh, Midnight I'm really confused now. Keep, you keep, broke up with it so long. Keep being confused? Okay. So no, you haven't broken up with Midnight Run. No, never. I just never broke up with you. it. Tom and I were both messing with you that day. What? Yeah. Go back and listen to it. We You're, were messing with you. you. We were trolling you, both of us, and Tom went along chick with it. Because, hey. because you know why? Because Tom Chick is a yes and. That's right. He yes anded me. Why would he? Never mind. I have, I just that's the answer to the question, isn't it? It's Tom. <laughs> yep. Yep. The same man who trolled you by telling you. I love this one. Tell me if there's been one this good that I don't know about. When he trolled you that audience that uh, critics hated Return of the King. Oh, stop it. I'm not even going to... Not going to dignify it. Not no, going to open this line uh, asked and answered. No, no, but is there one like... Is right? there another one like that? Is there no, there's, the, there's nothing as good as that, and it was the original um, Fellowship of the Ring. He he made me think that everybody hated it. And, oh, it's uh, yeah. story when he told me that, because he... I was sure he said he doesn't know the names of things. Okay. No, no, because I was looking so forward to that movie, and he's like, oh, no, I know, I. I was a naysayer. I was one of them when I like before I saw Fellowship of the Ring. I was like kind of dreading it. Yeah, so yeah. he perfectly trolled me on that. Oh. Good for him. And now look at us hobbiting now. 
Uh, sorry, you done with Chris's email? This goes on. Other than the very healthy Olga Karolanko being naked, I think the highlight of the movie for me was when they're at some middle of nowhere road stop and he's wearing a suit that looks like it cost at least a couple grand. And he pulls Karolanko out of the trunk of the car. And nobody gives them a second look. I guess that's life in Russia. Thanks, guys, Chris. <laughs> I guess that's life in Russia. Please, P.S., please don't read this on the air, Kelly, but you have to convince Tom and Dingus to see the third Hobbit movie for the podcast. You mean, oh, Jesus. The Synopsis trilogy of those Chris, movies. that is not going to – Tom has assured see, everybody that that is not going to happen. They're fun to make fun of. They're safe. They're fun to make fun of, but they're just, painful you know, to sit through. And we yeah, couldn't even, ha- we couldn't even happily laugh at it uh, during the movie because people would – we're throwing, you know, gold rings at us. Or I know. Because I, I saw you, I came down, wait, did I live in L.A. then, or was I from Canada? I don't remember, but you were here. I mean, we got, yeah, we all saw it together. together. We're all, Hobbit Part 2, let's do this, bitch. And then yeah. afterwards, you were just like, oh, God, that was, wait, that's the end? What? That was so long. Why? And during it, I was but, laughing so hard that the person in front of me got mad at me. And, and uh, I could so totally bad. understand that. Yeah, I remember when I got mad at you. And I, you know what? I regret nothing. Fuck that guy. He's stupid for not, he's stupid for no, like. No, don't fuck that guy. It's okay. No. I mean, I get mad at people who are making cell phone calls. It's okay if some Your dude is. Laugh. Your laugh's cool. Yeah, I, yeah, well, thank you. You're going to suppress your laugh because one guy's glare? Like, his glare means anything to me. Well, what if he's emotionally involved in yes, the, the, deso- the desolation of If there's even the slightest chance of emotional involvement, <laughs> you would laugh. You have a so, during Tree of Life. <laughs> very good point, actually. So, Chris, I, I, I really hesitate to say this, but I don't think Tom is going to sign off on us seeing Yeah, this. Tom's going to be the hurdle. We can't say no to No, Tom. He, he made clear, and, and we barely got him to that movie. I mean, he said, we're not seeing Desolation. Yeah, he won. Couldn't, you're right. We can't look him in the face and go, look, it's the last one. <laughs> <laughs> like, we won't be able to get the sentence out straight-faced. It's, the, I, the only way we got him to see like it is... Dick I don't know. We could bribe him. I don't know what we could bribe him with. Do you remember how we got him to see Desolation or Smog? No, and it was stupid because... We didn't either. It wasn't like we came out of like, yeah, stupid Tom showed no, him. No, the, the only way we got to see it was the the assurance that you would come would come. see it with us. That that was the I, only I, thing that got him into the theater. That won't get him this time. It's no, not, I, I don't think so. Not, for, for, one thing, I think health wise, he's not going to want to go into a theater. He's going to gonna risk play. his health to watch. I think for a, a, a real movie, but I don't think for Hobbit three, he's going to go look. No, I, I don't think I want to waste his time on that. And then, you know, I, Chris, Chris, I totally appreciate what you're saying, but I just don't think it's going to happen. If it was Citizen Kane two, by who's his favorite director now? Wait, what's under the skin guy? Glazer. If it was Jonathan Glazer's Citizen Kane two, <laughs> I'll come out. But the Hobbit three, <laughs> fuck, which. I mean, I'll try and come up with a plan, but I mean, why am I even trying to come up with a plan? I don't want to do it. I just you, want to. You don't want to see that. You just want to please. Yeah. I mean, I think completionist-wise, it makes sense. We have a trilogy, a trilogy of opsies, but the second opsis sucked. I thought. Oh um, no! It never does. The first one was really good. The first Hobbit opsis kind of summed it's it up. It's always worth it to go to see a movie with you. 
I mean, let's be honest. Uh, but what's the one? What's uh, it's uh, oh god. There's only like five opsies that I consider good, and the rest are they have like they're either openly openly shitty or have like a couple moments. Well, then uh, then I laugh at shitty because I think you're. I well, think different people laugh at different things. But Hobbit three will be. The onus will be on me. I will feel like Peter Jackson. Like, Wait, you really want me to do a third of these? Seriously? Play this then. You want me to do that many more jokes about Peter Jackson? Are you crazy? Like Peter Jackson and I will be in the offices together. The life. What happened? We will had- you be eating a carrot with Peter Jackson? Because I think he's eating a carrot in every one of his movies. At least he's showing up. Fucking Spielberg. Is he even gonna like walk? Now he and Lucas are just fucking in their rascals, just wandering around the sets. Uh, does Chris have anything else to say, or are we done with his email? No, I'm done. That was it. All Hit right. and evoked little interest from the community. All right, so I'm going to go in a completely other direction for next week's mini movie club. Um, uh, inspired by this week's movie, this is a movie I have never seen before. Hmm. Uh, it's a total grandpa movie, so I know Tom will be like what um and you might be very well be as well so this is a movie i've never seen we have uh, to see the picture what'd you say you have to call it the mini penny movie club of palooza i don't know how to say that okay mini penny movie club of that okay it's good all right uh so this is a movie i've never seen before i've wanted to watch for a very long time um it's okay that if, if not many people write in that's okay um, but this is a movie uh, called A Face in the Crowd. Um, mm. So it's a it's a movie from 1957. Uh, so it's a grandpa movie, uh, and it stars Andy Griffith, and it was directed by uh, Ilya Kazan. Uh, and it's very much uh, I know I know uh, I haven't seen it either. I'm excited. Uh, but it's very much along the lines of uh, of a guy who um, uh, is getting. Uh, is is getting his popularity, as far as I understand, from television, uh, and surprisingly, uh, you know, I kind of toyed with being there a little bit, but uh, but I but I've seen being there many many times. So yeah. what I would like to do is I would love to watch a face in the crowd and talk a, talk to you. Andy about Griffith. That. Yeah, it's Andy Griffith, yeah. and um, and it was a pretty exciting movie for him. I again, I don't know very much about it because who's the women's. Jeez, um, I don't even know. I think it's Patricia. Shelley Winters. Patricia I, Neal? Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Patricia Neal. Thank you. Um, but she's married yeah. to Roald Dahl, huh? I didn't know that. Did really? You know that? Yeah. I had no idea. No. So, uh, so um, please watch uh, Face in the Crowd. Uh, write us at three by three at quarter to three dot com. That's three x three at quarter to three dot com. Um, if you have anything to say about a face in the crowd, um, I doubt anybody will. That's okay, since uh, it's a movie from oh. 1957. But I've been looking forward to seeing this movie for uh, decades, and I just never have. And so I figured that watching this movie, Nightcrawler, which has this uh, this this character who uh, gets success by dealing with television, um, rather than like going for some standby. Uh, like uh, network or um, or being there, uh, I wanted to go with something I hadn't seen before. So uh, I hope you guys will see a face in the crowd, and we can talk a little bit about that next week. Um, this has been the quarter to three movie Wait. podcast. What? 
Tell that, them what we're seeing for the real movie. Oh, you're right. Gosh darn it. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, just facing the crowd. So it's not just facing the crowd. <laughs> if it were just that, that would be enough. But be for next enough. week, what are we seeing next week, Kelly? Intergalactic. No, we're not seeing that. Internecine. Inter- interstellar. Planetary. Yes, we're seeing interstellar next week. <laughs> I know many of you wanted excited. to see Big Hero 6, but instead we are going like to see he's Inter- space. Yeah. Uh, which I am totally excited about, because uh, I have not broken up with Christopher Nolan since I loved Inception. Um, oh, and I, right. I didn't like Dark Knight Rises. So, uh, so here we go. We're going with, uh, what'd you say? What's the last movie? Was in, Inception was before Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, Dark Knight Rises was his last one. It was his last movie. Okay. Right. All right, so join us next week for Interstellar. Uh, and if you can ha- if you can make time, and if you can find it, please see a face in the crowd and send us an email about it. Uh, until then, uh, I have been Christian Morosky. This is the Quarter 3 Movie Podcast. And I am joined by Kelly Wand. Sorry about Hitman. Fucking idiot. <laughs> this is very kid. Like, Sunday morning, and Sunday pass on by. I'll be working here forever, at least until I die. Damn if you do, damn if you don't. I'm supposed to get a rest next week, you know that when I won't. Working for a living. Was this in the montage in Nightcrawler? It is not at all. The success montage? Um, so I got baked and I was reading Pickwick Papers by Charles Dickens, and these two guys are fighting in a tea room, and one of them calls the other one a serpent, and then the comeback that the other guy gives, he goes, This, sir, is pleasantry. Can you try that again without swearing?